heaven? No. It's Iowa. Hey, Ben. I uh, just wanted to say that I know sometimes on here we argue, uh, but I wanted to tell you that I think you make a lot of really good points. Wow. Um, wow. Thanks, man. Thanks, Eric. That's a really, really mature of you to say. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. You get in some good shots when we're on here. Um, you make a lot of good points. But I just wanted to say, you never got me down, Ben. You never got me down. You never got me down, Ben. Never got me down. Never got me down. Never got oh, me down. This bit is getting me down. Are you done? Um, I'm not sure. You want to why? Because I heard things, man. I heard things, Ben. I heard some things. I heard some things, Ben. I heard, I heard things. I heard things, Ben. I heard ben. you were about to shut up. Up next on the Pot of Dreams, it's Raging Bull. The Bronx Bull, the Raging Bull. Let's hear for the great Jake LaMotta, ladies and gentlemen. I'm the best. I can take him on anybody. You're dead, you're married. Leave the young girls for me. There's no way I'm going down. I don't go down for nobody. All right. Well, welcome to our Raging Bull episode of the Pot of Dreams. Um, so we always like to start out kind of breaking down why we picked this film, uh, which is Raging Bull. Um, so I, this week I selected the, the the film, and the reason I picked it is I just wanted to kind of figure out Martin Scorsese for me. So he's you know widely considered one of the greatest filmmakers of all time. I like a lot of his movies. I think a lot of his movies are are flawless. But as a just a body of work, he's not he's not even one of my favorite filmmakers, and I wanted to kind of figure out why. So, like Ben, what is what does Martin Scorsese mean to you? Uh, I mean, I like him more than you do. It sounds like based on what you're saying, uh, he's one of the greats. He's made enough movies that some of his movies aren't great, and he's probably got some clunkers in there. Almost every director does, but you know his peak work is is incredible, and I love it immensely. And, uh, you know, spoiler alert, Raging Bull is, is among them. Well, see, and that's that's why I picked this movie is, you know, it's, it, again, widely considered one of the greatest movies of all time. I think the AFI had it, like, number four of an all-time greatest films. And I wouldn't even put it in his top five of Martin Scorsese movies. And then also just, like, him as a whole, I, I wouldn't even put him maybe as a top ten filmmaker for me. There's probably ten other filmmakers that I like their body of work more than him. Which I, that's why I wanted to do this, wanted to have the conversation to figure out why. Like, why is that for me? Because I don't, I don't know, I don't understand it, because am I missing something? And like, with this movie specifically, with Raging Bull, like, again, widely considered one of the greatest movies for me, I have a hard time with it. I, I think it's a, an incredible film. I think De Niro's maybe his best performance in his entire career. But like, there's so many things I get hung up on with this movie, and I just can't get past it. Uh, like primarily, you know, for me, I'm not a huge fan of spousal abuse or pedophilia. And like, there are two major themes of this movie involve both of those things. And like, I just have a hard time watching that in a movie. Does, does that stuff not bother you? So let's talk about the tone. 
so that stuff and, and what it means to the film and, and the tone of the film and what the, how the film thinks the character because that's going to be that's going to be the meat of where I think you and I disagree. I do, I'm not a fan of spousal abuse either, Eric. I, I, I'm against it. I, have a, I don't care who knows it. I'm strongly against it. <laughs> well, that's good to hear. I, I feel, though, I, I watch Raging Bull and I think so is Raging Bull. We see a character who is awful and you might, you could probably rename this movie Toxic Masculinity the movie because he is the creme de la creme of just purely toxic masculinity. He's like one skill one thing he can do, it's useless outside of a boxing ring. I don't think the film admires his domestic abuse. I think his domestic abuse is pathetic and embarrassing, and the film absolutely covers that. His pedophilia is awful, and I don't think the film celebrates it. But there's like, it or there's like good a 40-minute stretch of watching him seduce a 15-year-old girl. Like, that, to me, it's you don't Okay, it, the other piece of it, too, the, I guess this time, I had seen this, obviously I'd seen this movie before. Um, this time I you know, kind of focused a little more on kind of following it and trying to break down like what I thought about it. And and I think the, the thing that kept ringing through my head is like, this is supposed to be a true story. Right, or it is. I mean, it's a true story. Uh, Jake LaMotta was like a real guy, a real boxer, and that was his life. Like, he actually did, when he was, I think, 23, married a 16-year-old, so he would have been... 22 when he started dating a, something like that yep. started dating like a 15 year but that, that's not okay right that's illegal in every state i'm i'm pretty sure right now and like a 23 year old should not date a 15 year old and seduce her the way he did it's it's awful um but it happened and i guess that's part of it like you know this is a true story it's based off of a real real life um but i think that for me like with scorsese all of his, a lot of his movies involve awful terrible characters at the center um but i i just don't always think he hates them the way you you're saying he does like i think there feels like there's a bit of admiration towards jake lamotta from scorsese's perspective am i wrong maybe i'm wrong but like like Wolf I, I Wall Street, which, scorsese's head I, I just look at that film which Obviously, it's in black and white, except for one, like, home movie sequence. It's it's interesting to me. This is a movie that takes place mostly in the 40s and 50s. It was, like, shot in 1979 or whatever. It doesn't look like a movie from the 40s or the 50s. It doesn't look like a movie from 1980. It looks sort of timeless. But when I look at the tone of the actual film itself, regardless, I mean, probably Scorsese admires the guy who decided to film a, a biopic of, of sorts, I guess. But the film seems to take a very neutral tone towards its its protagonist. It starts off with that shot where he's reading the weird faux Shakespeare thing in the back room with his bloated, gross face. Yeah, that's and entertainment. Almost, yeah. Yes. And it almost feels like, a, for a brief moment, like a talking head documentary. Like we're seeing him in the quote-unquote real time, and then it flashes back to how he got there. Almost like we're seeing a documentary. It feels very neutral to me when I watch it. I definitely don't think the movie is celebrating pedophilia, their relationship, his domestic abuse. Uh, I think it, it feels like it's documenting it. It's observing it. It's probably not condemning it. I don't think you could say that it does enough to condemn Could you it. make a movie about him and not have that stuff in there? Or would that be just sort of like whitewashing his life because be way that stuff happened? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think the film makes the domestic abuse understandable or justified it feels like it's giving you very neutral context and you look at it and it's clearly awful 
He's clearly a lunatic. Every every instance of him is just to spar. It's a battle. He only knows how to take punches and throw punches. That's literally his only skill. Every conversation is just verbal battle. And it's not like a, a exchange of wits. It's not like witty repartee. It's just he repeats the same thing over and over and just hammers it home. And other than Joe Pesci, nobody else ever seems to ever be able to convince him of anything. And it's it's pitiful. He has no other skills in life. Anyway, I don't know. I look at the context and I don't think the film is happy about it. I don't think it thinks it's great. And yes, well, I was wondering how, how, how true the relationship was. It was like, oh, yeah, he met her when she was 15 and he was married at a community pool in 1947 or whatever which, it was. Which is, I mean, you could make like a, a Catching a Predator episode like off of what he does in this movie. Like he, he, he's, like, he's he he's traps awful. her, brings her up to his place. Like, offers her alcohol. Like, it's it's awful what he does. Like, absolutely atrocious. I watched but, this movie, and I think the guy is pathetic and a loser throughout but the, the whole thing. The, the flip side of that is, like, Jake LaMotta was literally one of the greatest boxers in the history of boxing. Like, if you look at his record and, you know, the real guy, like, one, he's, I think, a Hall of Fame boxer. Had, you know, this amazing record. He won the title, like, at an era and time where, you know, guys like him weren't weren't winning boxing matches anymore. And so so is that part of it, too, like that he was this sort of fabled New York boxer from, a, I think, Scorsese from the Bronx, probably grew up hearing about this guy and sure. wanted to make a movie about him. So you, there has to be a little bit of admiration towards well, him. I already said that, right? He, he, I mean, this was Scorsese's, one of his dream projects, and he, he thought it was going to be his last movie, and he put a ton of energy into making this movie work. So I, I don't doubt that he admires him, but I, I don't really care about Scorsese's motivations overall. I mean, when I look at the film, I don't see a movie that admires him. The things that make him a great mo- boxer make him an absolute god-awful human being. And that's apparent. But, like, what was I going to say? Like, like, with Wolf of Wall Street, it is clear he hates everybody in that movie. Like, and he hates stockbrokers. He hates the stock market. Like, the just they don't make anything. They just feed off of other people's wealth like that is clear in that movie and i think goodfellas too there's a lot like uh, the gangsters are he doesn't idolize them they're awful human beings but this movie is and and some of his other movies i I don't think it's as clear and maybe that's just because he does it's a true story and that's the other thing that i realized with scorsese like almost all of his movies are like based off of real people which is kind of surprising to me i didn't realize that maybe that's also part of it too with me is you know, it's not total fiction. This is pretty real, and the characters in these movies are real people. Um, but yeah, I guess just this is the kind of movie where I, I'm not 100% clear what I'm watching. Is like, am I supposed to hate this guy? Like, he's doing awful, awful things, but then he films his boxing like, you know, like he's Rocky. I mean, that's the other piece of it too. Is like this is four years after Rocky. Uh, you know, very similar character, Rocky and, and Jake LaMotta. So. Is he trying to say, like, this guy's the next Rocky, or this guy's this movie's the next Rocky? I don't know. I just I have a hard time with the tone, like you're saying, the the overall tone of the movie, and that that's to me why I have. I don't think this movie's as great as some of his other movies. Oh, see, well, I, I don't have the same problem because I, again, I, I you could be upset that the movie doesn't do enough to say this guy is awful and make it very clear that everything he's doing is wrong and he's vile. It could do that. And so is he satirizing is, this person? 
Is that I the whole like point of it? I he's not that at all. I think he's trying to accurately articulate who he is as a complete person, uh, which is a phenomenal boxer and a god-awful, shitty human being. It's interesting. This is one of the few movies I would say isn't a quote-unquote gangster movie, really. It's a little bit and that he has to work with the mob eventually to be He's able got to the Coca Cabana in it. You can't make a movie without the Coca Cabana. That's fine. That I, those scenes uh, th- that looks like a place I'd want to visit. Like being in the cabana in the 1940s seems like a fun spot to go. But it it isn't quite like there's there's just not the sense of family. See, and I I have a different reaction to some of the other ones. Like I see Goodfellas, and we kind of like the characters in a way that w- we don't ever with Jake LaMotta. You see those guys, and they're it's funny. Kind of fun. It's the, and fun. they're, I mean, they're yeah, Joe Pesci. I mean, that I, I could have a whole conversation on Joe Pesci, but like well, he is so he, different in this movie. You're right. If you compare his character in Goodfellas to his character in this movie, like it's night and day. He's not this likable, funny mass murderer. Um, you know, he's no, kind those, of an those enabler. Are fun to hang out with that first act of Goodfellas. It's fun. It's cool. It seems cool. But to all of casinos the same way. Casinos that, that the same way. way. Casino starts where it's this like wild ride of these guys taking it against the system and getting rich, and then you know their lives fall apart. And Wolf of Wall Street's the same way too. Sure, Age of Innocence, which you haven't seen, it's like a different kind of gangster movie. You could argue a lot of these are still gangster movies. You know, like Wolf of Wall Street is a different kind of gangster, but they're also gangsters and thugs, just white collar. The criminals, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, and Age of Innocence is about these really rich people, and they're really in, I don't remember if it's late 19th century, but there's a whole code of ethics and it, it works differently, but there's, there's still all this nuance in terms of like dinner parties and what you say to whom. And it's this just kind of nightmarish world that looks really pretty and glamorous on the front end. And then it's got Daniel D. Lewis in it. I do recommend Age of Innocence. If you're going to watch a movie like a, a costume drama, one by Martin Scorsese is probably more abusive. Isn't Michelle Pfeiffer in that too? I think so. I think okay. she's not quite considered to be a. And it doesn't matter. We're getting sidetracked, but I, I think it's very neutral in a way where it it, it, it is totally different tone wise. It's flat. Um, I just I feel like it's flat. Tone. Well, I mean, it's not flat. It's shocking. There's to me, there's just so well, many shocking. shocking. Like, it's like, oh my god. Like, when it he creeps up on the 15 year old, I'm just like, what? What the? F- what? What is fucking happening? I feel like happening? it's documenting the gross stuff, though. It's not adding. It's not adding. He just punches his wife in the face because she like burnt the steak. It's like what what the what is happening here? Like this is in, this is insane. He's a lunatic. He doesn't have any other skills. It's, uh, it, it it's absolutely something that he did and this character does and would do. So yeah, you couldn't do a story about Jake Lamada without covering how awful he is as a human being, which is a big chunk of the movie. And. Maybe you could say, hey, don't cover this guy at all. We shouldn't give him any attention. Okay, that's a different argument. You're just saying don't make the movie at all. If you're going to make the movie, I feel like the tone is it, it's just very nebulous. It's shocking because it's showing you things that actually happen that are shocking or things that are happening that are shocking, but it's not adding to that. Like the black and white is a is a super interesting choice to me. And I, I think it neutralizes. Well, um, if, if this movie was not – if it was in color – the amount of blood <laughs> he's using in these boxing matches, I, mean, I, I don't know how what rated R, if he'd even be able to get a rated R rating on that. Maybe that was part of why it was black and white. I don't know. Oh, that, that could be. That's a that's a reasonable hypothesis. That's interesting. But I, I don't have the same conflict. I, I was never at, one, at any point really rooting for Jake LaMotta. I, I wasn't like, I don't relate to this guy. 
And I don't I don't know that I need that from every. Do movie you think theater. that's that's the case for most people that watch this movie? I have no idea. There there could be idiots that watch it and think, man, this guy's pretty cool. Really like him. He's tough and makes a lot of money punching guy. Maybe. I don't know. I have no idea. He's a he's a meathead who can punch and take punches. He has no other skills, can't communicate, can't get along with anybody, super insecure, an absolute lunatic. I mean, every every second you see him not in a boxing ring, he looks just overwhelmed and out of his element. Well, that's where you're saying, you know, basic themes of this movie, just sort of like male aggression and toxic masculinity. It's just about the male ego and jealousy and... I mean, all, all those things I think are interesting and interesting ideas when you think of a boxer and what his, I mean, his job is just punch people in the face and take a punch. Um, and they, he certainly covers that. I think it's interesting. I just don't, I just watching this movie, it's like, I don't enjoy it. It, it There's something about it really it's disturbing to me. And I don't know, maybe that's just, it's supposed to be disturbing and that's the whole point of it, but... That's why yeah, I don't yeah, I, think it's as great as some of his other movies, which are there's disturbing shit in Goodfellas. Don't get me wrong. Like, that movie is disturbing as hell. But, like, I, I enjoy watching that movie a whole hell of a lot more than I enjoy watching this. Oh, see, I, I enjoy this more because, more than anything, it's just incredibly pretty to look at. It's framed so immaculately. It's shot so well. It, it feels timeless and super interesting. Just It is me. crazy. 1980 is when it came out. I was like, wow, that's doesn't even seem possible because you're right it feels out of time like it come out could come out today and you it would look you know right. look that way or or 40 50 years before it came out you know it's weird and uh, you know there's uh, this isn't a film theory podcast but those are the things you can do right you talk about how gross and creepy his courtship of vicky is it's awful you see so this film makes it very clear there's this insane power dynamic going on very early but on. But see, this is, where, this is where I'll question it. Like, Scorsese didn't cast a 15-year-old. No. For He cast a grown woman to make it not seem as she creepy. She was 20. She was 20. Right. But that, she's okay. an adult. I mean, right? Well, yeah. He could have cast a 15-year-old witch or child, which a 15-year-old is, but he didn't. And that to me, that's a choice where it's like, oh, okay. So you know this is wrong and disgusting, but then he also frames it as this like romance, which again is like, why am I watching a romance where this grown man is grooming this fifteen-year-old girl? Like it was creepy, it was predatory. I mean, I felt the whole time. But I don't think he filmed it creepy. That's the thing. If you just turn on that movie and you didn't know their age differences, you'd be like, oh, that's kind of her around. I don't think there's anything romantic. Like that's. When I think about a romantic scene and interplay between two people who are potentially interested in like a romantic relationship, I don't have one character who's way disempowered, getting bossed around and told to sit closer. That's not romantic. Sit closer in the car, and she does. Sit next to sit on his lap as he gives her a glass of water in the house where his he's not even sure if his wife's home. He's like checking to yeah, see if his wife's still in the apartment. It's insane. I mean, it's, it's an insane it's, movie. Scene. Like it, so, it that could insane. be to catch a predator, it, basically, is what it is. It, it's awful. But con- contrast that, right? So he he starts courting a 15 year old. And keep in mind, this guy's dumb as shit. Then later on, he does. He's running his club, where he's got this like captive audience where he still gets attention. And then he's like, "I want to know that you're 21." And he has girls kiss him, and they're 14. Yeah, I mean, he was just a pedophile, like straight up. 
So in one situation, he has he gets married. In another one, he goes to jail. He should go to jail. That was the correct action. Uh, I mean, he should have gone to jail with Vicky, almost certainly. But I, I don't know who's going to go after him. I'm sure the mob wasn't going to let him go to jail. But who? Oh, maybe. Who knows? But I, I don't. That it's a not clearly condemning it. I don't know. It, most people don't relate to being a boxer. He was isolated and he couldn't maintain any relationship. He couldn't even maintain a relationship with his brother. And the only question I have about the movie is, does Joe Pesci have sex with his wife? Oh, Do I don't know? think so. I, I don't think that happened. So I think it was just LaMotta being absolutely paranoid and okay. jealous of ev- anyone. Anyone even looked at her. It just... He was that's the kind of animal he was. He's the kind of guy that will fool around and then put ice water down his underwear. Like that's insane. Yeah, that's all insane stuff. Uh but like I, is that in the book? Do we know that he did that or is that a Scorsese thing? Or there were Paul Schrader, I guess, who wrote the screenplay. Like I yeah, haven't read the I book. I have no idea. But he seems like a character which should have weird hang ups about sex and whether you can have sex before a match and uh, and weird stuff. Uh clearly, I mean their relationship was very problematic and, and uncomfortable. But he couldn't maintain a relationship with anybody. He's not a gangster. And there's, like, who can relate to being a boxer? And I, I don't know. It doesn't, I don't know. I think it's a movie that doesn't, it documents its protagonist, but we aren't asked to, hey, feel sympathy and sorry for him. Because I don't, okay. I don't, I don't feel that way. I don't think, man, we're supposed to, it's really tough luck. Is this I one mean, of the he, five greatest movies of all time, in no, your opinion? No, 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 no. I don't think so. Uh, and Scorsese, is he one of the five greatest filmmakers, in your opinion? Mm. So am I, I am I missing something, I guess, is what, what my question is. I, I mean, I don't think you and I are that far off. If you put a gun to my head and had me pick five directors, I don't know if Scorsese would make my top five. But that's only because he doesn't have enough movies that really resonate with me on a deep, personal level. I mean, that's the thing I'm going to admire. I, I, you can talk about body of work overall if we're trying to evaluate, but the ones I'm going to be the greatest are the ones that make a few movies that connect with me. On a, like, you know, you'd put Paul Thomas Anderson ahead of Scorsese, Correct. right? Yes. And, and Paul would. Thomas Anderson would say that's crazy because he, I mean, Boogie Nights is essentially a Scorsese movie. Like, it really is. And, you know, he, sure, but I don't know if Boogie Nights is one of the, it might not even be one of the three or four best Paul Thomas Anderson movies. Maybe it is. But that's a it's another discussion. There'd be All right, so put ahead. so I, yeah, I, I guess that's the way I feel. 10. He's he got he's 15. got some movies I love. He's got like five movies that I absolutely love, like Goodfellas, Wolf of Wall Street, um, The Departed. Like he's he's got movies I really like. But then he does have some that I just don't they just don't connect with me. And I I think I I appreciate this movie. I see why it's you know has such a high standing among like film people. It just doesn't connect with me. I, I I have no desire to ever watch it again. Oh, interesting. I mean, I, I don't know. It's a weird movie. I mean, I've seen it twice in my life. Me too. Was, this I, is the second time I saw it. I, but, I mean, you and I also have different views on how important it is for a movie to be rewatchable. That doesn't necessarily matter to me so much. If a movie It matters a lot to me. Yeah, resonates with me. It's great. I mean, it's just... It's, it's a great... It, it's not a movie I'll watch anytime soon. Certainly not five, ten years, but... If down the road I think, man, I haven't seen Raging Bull in several years. Oh yeah, let me give it a watch because it's. I watch it and and reality fades away, and I'm just looking at this incredibly conceived reality. 
just the feel. It feels like the 40s and 50s. It, you know, it feels just like it. I don't think for a second I'm not there in that space. I'm with this awful character, and I don't think I have to sympathize with him. If I am, then I don't. I don't. If Scorsese's saying, hey, look at this guy. I feel bad for him. I, I mean, why would this movie want us to feel? I don't get where even an ounce of sympathy. He makes nothing but awful choices uh, and, and just screws everybody that ever tries to help him in life. Uh, anyway, I mean, he's, All just, right. he's just dope. Anyway. So shifting gears, uh, question. Is the boxing in this movie good? Like, just the, the film of... Because a lot of this movie, he's a boxer. A lot of the movie takes play, goes through his, his whole... Basically, his whole, like, run until he gets to the title. <clears throat> Is the Are the boxing scenes good? So, I, I don't know about the technical aspects of boxing. I, I don't care about boxing as a casual fan. Even I don't watch boxing. I don't care about it as a sport. It takes a lot of skill and technique, whatever. I just don't care about it. This is, to me, the best film boxing that I've ever seen in any movie. I love how visceral and grotesque and violent it is. And when you think about what boxing is, despite whatever you might want to talk about, jabs and technique and defense and strategy, rope-a-dope, whatever, I mean, it's dudes or women hitting each other in the face. And whoever can hit the person in the face more effectively or more often is the winner. And, and it's, I mean, it's kind of the antithesis of we watch, we watched Rocky Four together. We're like that, that is so cartoony, right? I mean, it, it does, it feels like you're watching a, a cartoon of people it feels boxing. It's like a video game fight. Yeah. It's like video game. Yeah, boxing. Mike Tyson like, punch just, out basically. Yeah. Sure. Whereas yeah. this definitely feels like, I mean, these are men trying to just kill each other with their fists. Yes. And, yes. Yeah. And body fluids are everywhere. It looks gross. Everybody's sweaty and vile. You have a bunch of lunatics who are betting money, screaming at them. There's no faux political message about it um, at all. I mean, that's what it is. I mean, when he pummels the guy because he's insecure, I mean, it's just awful. And you, you did the... You he ain't pretty no more. Ray. Yeah. You, when you get the, I don't know, you, um, you never got me down, Ray. You never got me down. I mean, it's awful. and that, But that's the source of pride for him is that, I mean, in all of his life, he never got knocked down by Sugar Ray Robinson. Well, uh, okay, so I went back, I so Googled or Wikipedia his boxing career. Some insane things jumped out at me. You know, a lot of sure. the a lot of the matches in the movie were like directly pulled from his career, but like just the Sugar Ray Robinson stuff, right? Insane. So they fought five times. First time was October second, nineteen forty-two, and you know they're in the movie. They fought again in February. So just a few months later, February 5th, 1943, and these are like 10 round, just slugging each other in the face over and over again. They fought later that month, another rematch, February 26th, not even a full month later, they fought again, another 10 round fight. I mean, that is, that's insane. And that's, I think that's the one that never knocked me. No, you know, that's the one where he's going to go to the army. So they, that's why, uh, Lamada says they gave him the match. Because he was right. going to join the army the next day, but in, insane. So then they fought a couple years, uh, year later, and then another year after that. Um, but I mean, it's to think of that like boxing guys boxing in the same month <laughs> as a rematch, like that would never ever happen again. Like in Nobody terms of like brain injuries or whatever. Like holy sure. crap! I mean, yeah, that guy's got some some concussions for sure. Uh, it, yeah, that, that was true. Like nobody else would fight. They just had to fight each other because nobody else would fight him. 
which is is interesting. And I, I mean, I've read about his technique and style, and that was apparently his style. He gets really in close. He takes a beating, and he just tries to dish out more than he takes. He can take a lot of punches, and he gets in close, and it's just we're going to exchange punches. There's, I'm not going to do any defense at all. Like that, not not putting his gloves up and defending, that, that was a real thing. I don't know. It's crazy. But I, I mean, Creed, I think, has better, like, just straight boxing. Like, the filming of the boxing, it just looks more realistic and it's more entertaining. But this movie, it's more of an artistic statement, right, about the brutality. And... Oh, yeah. It feels gladiatorial, right? I mean, it right, feels yeah. like it could be ancient Rome. I mean, isn't there, like, in one scene, there's some, like, sound effects stuff going on. Maybe in the last fight scene that he has where it's like a lion roaring i thought i remember oh, some like weird yeah, sound effects I know while he was fighting when blood sprays on like people in the crowd and it's just you hear the splotching and the spring and it's like yeah these are two bags of water smacking the crap out of each other oozing body fluids i mean it's yeah it's, it's i've not seen creed so maybe it's awesome i mean i, I the fighter has good boxing from my recollection it's yeah. been a while since i've seen that but this is more captivating to watch in this movie. Uh, I don't know. It was more interesting to me than okay. any Rocky movie. But sure. uh, I, yeah, it was part of it. But again, I, I think... You like this more than Ro- any Rocky movie? You think it's better yeah, than Rocky 1? Yeah, it's been a while since I've never seen Rocky 5. I haven't seen Rocky Balboa. I didn't see Creed or the... I think there's a sequel to Creed. Uh, it's been a long time since I've seen any of the other ones. So maybe they'll be great on a second viewing. I don't know. But... I mean, that's more of a plucky Because this came out four years after the first Rocky. So, I mean, it's a little bit of the which one's better. and um, I don't think there's any question Raging Bull is a more interesting movie. I mean, I I I guess I don't know if Rocky hits Adrian at any point in any of the movies. But, I mean, he's just like a Well, I know that's fiction. I mean, Rocky's complete fiction. You know, that character is made up. So would it be better or worse if Rocky hits somebody and he's a made-up character? Like, outside the ring. I think that would be like, why would you put that in in the movie? Like, what do you? What's the point of that from like a screenwriting perspective? Like, why you're just gonna yeah, make I, him beat up his wife? You don't need to do right, that. Well, yeah, and Stallone wrote it, so why is he? He's not gonna want to make his character look bad. He wants to, to look as yeah. heroic as possible. But I think there's probably a fair amount of boxers throughout history that were hitting their wives, sure, and girlfriends. But. Yeah, I, 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 but you know, I mean, that's the thing, like. Do people see this movie and do they idolize De Niro's portrayal of him? Like, do they like, like that's how that's a man's man. That's how men should act. Men should be more tough I, and masculine. I doubt it. I doubt it. There are plenty of times where like people get glamorized for for being tough dudes. Uh, there's not a big bunch of people that identify with that. There can't be. I hope not. It's a really awful portrayal. I mean, it's immaculately acted. All the stuff you said about De Niro's best performance, I think that's true. I think that's well, yeah. Best. I guess that was where I was going to shift gears. Do you think this is his best performance as I an actor? Think so I mean, I, I like it better than Godfather Two. I like it better than Taxi Driver. Those are both great, by the way. I'm not knocking either one of those performances, but I mean, he's he is. I mean, he is Jake LaMotta. I, I do, it's like did he I, gain? He gained a bunch of weight, right? To play like, the bloated old yeah. version of himself, yes, that was he got a lot of props for it. Um, was that like one of the one. first examples of like winning best actor? You just gotta like get real fat or get real skinny, and then you're gonna. I win. have no idea. Maybe I know. I yeah, I think it was more rare back then. We want to celebrate because he did. He won best actor for this, right? Yeah, his yeah, second Oscar. And and Raging Bull wasn't even nominated for best picture, which is I mean, I, wow. I think that's silly. 
uh, a movie called Ordinary People One in 1980, which was a, a, about you know grief counseling. And so best picture: Ordinary People, Coal Miner's Daughter, Elephant Man. Oh no, it was na- nominated. Raging Bull. Was it? Oh okay. Yeah. It lost. And Tess. Okay. But it was nominated. Okay. Well then I was wrong. But it, it did lose to Ordinary People. Uh, but you know, again, I, I, there no doubt that there's some lunatic somewhere that I idolize as Jake LaMotta, But I don't know how you can see this and think, yeah, that's what I want out of life. I don't know how you can see that. Like, you don't even really get to see him spending the money. They live in that same apartment for a long time, and then they move into some house uh, after a while, and the house doesn't look that awesome. And then they move to Miami, and he has the club where he's telling a bunch of stupid jokes, and everybody just has to pretend like he's funny. Just because uh, he owns this place and he'll probably give us free drinks. And then he go, uh, goes after 14 years old and ends up in jail. And I mean, like, even when he's in jail, Eric, he's. It's like he's in a boxing ring. He has to start smashing his head into the wall. Like, he's taking punches and he has to start punching because he, he literally cannot do anything else. He has no faculty for anything else. And we don't even get his upbringing where maybe he learned stuff. Well, that, like, that was interesting. You understand. Because like, Scorsese, normally in his movies, they go from, like,. I mean, Goodfellas, you see him as a kid all the way through basically the end of his life. Like, um, his most recent movie, uh, The Irishman, it's, again, the guy's entire life. Wolf of Wall Street, basically his entire life. He does that for all of his movies except this one, really. Um, Taxi Driver, maybe, I guess you don't, he doesn't, like, follow his whole life. A little more similar. But the Raging, Raging Bull does cover uh, probably 50 years of the guy's life. It's only about 25, I think. I think we start in the early mid 40s and go to like the late 60s. But it's his adult life, right? We don't. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't it humanize him more if you saw him modeling? Like if his dad beat his mom and oh, this is how he learned to be such a piece of shit. Or he saw people around the neighborhood, or his parents left him out on the streets, so he had to fight. Was the only way he and his brother could scrape by. Wouldn't that make people identify with him more? Or have? Where you feel sorry him? for it? Yeah, maybe. That's true. Instead, you see him just as an adult doing nothing but be awful. I don't know. I don't, I don't yeah. know. I guess I don't have the same conflict. I mean, it's not a fun movie to watch in the sense that you're just like, hey, I feel good. I'm cheering for the good guys, and they're going to have some challenges along the way, but ultimately they're going to take out the bad guys. I just wonder, like, when Scorsese, you know, he's pitching it to De Niro, he's like, like you're going to play one of the worst, literally one of the worst humans in, like, movie history. Is that how he's explaining it to him, or is it just you're gonna play this boxer and you know he's he's gonna be tr- he's have troubles, but or did he try to make it a little less disgusting in the movie? Well, well uh, so here that, now that's a weird philosophy of acting, right? How much does Jake LaMotta re- resent himself or feel bad? How much does he think he's the victim? How much? does he understand and accept as his responsibility? How much does he understand about his own insecurity? Well, probably not. I mean, based off of the way he never never lost a fight that he should have. I mean, every time he lost, there was always some other reason. And him getting arrested, it was never his fault. So I'd imagine he, he never thought he was doing anything wrong. Yeah, most characters are like that. So you wouldn't want to play somebody who's, like, maniacally evil. Like, I, I know I'm awful and I'm just reveling in it. He probably doesn't understand on a fundamental level what's going on. He goes back to his instinct. He's just really worried that his wife is cheating on him, and the only thing he knows how to do is to berate verbally and then hit. And he just probably doesn't have the faculty to understand why he's awful. 
I'm sure he's never gotten counseling and never reached the conclusion, oh, I understand now. I was acting out some deep-rooted insecurities and taking it out on my wife, but it wasn't her fault. It was. I mean, that doesn't happen. And I also don't think he's walking around thinking, I'm so evil. Ha 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 ha. I love doing this. He probably just doesn't understand his own psychology, I would guess. But if you're playing a character, you got to try to do the character's perspective. This is a person. What was the person's perspective? Like, if you were playing Adolf Hitler, you could play him straight up evil, but Hitler thought he was doing a good thing. Hitler thought, oh, this is awesome. I'm doing such a great thing. He's a piece of shit. He's vile. He's terrible. But he didn't see it that way. He thought he was doing something grand. Jake Lamont probably thought, hey, yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to become the champ. And my brother made me take a dive. You know, he has that whole thing about on the waterfront. Probably yeah, feels like a victim. My brother, yeah, my brother wasn't watching out for me, even though his his brother I thought did the best that he possibly could. I thought his brother had a, a you know, Jake's brother Joe Pesci had to deal with his brother being a lunatic and did everything he could to try to. Wasn't that just the line from On the Waterfront? It's directly taken from that. Yeah, That's he exactly just was quoting the line. Yeah. Yeah, and it's very clear. To me, his character thinks, man, my brother didn't watch out for me, even though I don't think that's a reasonable conclusion. I think Joe Pesci, aside from yelling at his wife and kids and a bunch of other personality flaws his character has, he's trying to do right by his brother and his brother's career. Like, he did his best. Like, this is what we got to do. You don't want to have to work through the mob. These are the choices we're going to make. You're going to have to make this wait. This is the only way to do it. Okay. Tried to keep, tried, tried to keep him from murdering his wife. Um, I don't know. All right. Well, sh- shifting shifting over to our next piece here, the Ebert letterbox rating. So let's uh, go over what you how how you rated this movie. Uh, a four and a half stars. Uh, so out of five, you yeah. it's almost a perfect score. Almost. Yep. Doesn't quite. Okay. Uh, there's just not enough to take away from it to really take it to. This is an absolute perfect, transformative, amazing film. That's that's where I'm at. It looks great. It's superbly acted. Um, I mean, it's not fun to watch in the conventional sense of a fun movie, but you watch it and you're like, this is sublime filmmaking, and I'm just seeing this absolute lunatic character who succeeds because he's good enough at hitting people, but then he crashes hard because once he can't hit people anymore, he's done having any marketable skills. See, I, I vacillated between three and a half and four for me. Okay. I think, I think I'll settle on four, but I gotta be honest. I think part of that is just cause like it's such a widely regarded movie and I'm just sort of letting that influence me and, in, you know, to thinking like I should like it more because it's, one you know considered one of the greatest movies ever you know the sight and sound list they at least in the top 50 like i said the afi it's just every i mean everybody considers this a masterpiece and you know i mean that's part of why i think i'd pump it up to four so i think i'll go four but a lot of the stuff in it like i said the pedophilia and the uh or statutory rape or whatever however you want to define it and the spousal abuse just kind of take a little away from me it's just too much for me i don't know he's just too he's too awful of a character for me to center a movie around a guy that's that terrible and not in 
I, I mean, I, I again, it's because it's that's how he was. It's a true story. I get that. Um, but it's just I, I just can't. I, I have a hard time watching a movie centered around somebody like that. I, and I, I get why it's great. I mean, I get all the the great points that it has, and the filmmaking's amazing. And De Niro is just absolutely like, like when you watch the first like five minutes of the movie, you're like when he's re- reciting that line, you're like, how is that Robert De Niro? And, and I know he has makeup on, but he also gained like 60 pounds. And, you know, he's because it, because it, if you see De Niro now in a lot of his movies, he's kind of mailing it in. I mean, oh, he's, he's, he's in a, for like he was just in the decades. Joker, right? Like he's mailing. It. He doesn't even know what movie he's in there, you know? Yeah. For two, for two decades at least. I mean, we're, we're he's been playing the same character for a long time. He like oh he's just being Robert De Niro on screen, and not even trying that hard at that. Yeah. No, but even wouldn't. like like Casino, I think is when it kind of started, where he's just he's just that guy. You know, he's just that tough, no nonsense kind of guy. The Casino's got a little character traits where his character's got some some things going on, but. And Goodfellas, he, his character is just like a maniac. Just an absolute maniac. Um, so, yeah, but I like Taxi Driver. It would be hard to say he's better in this than he is in Taxi Driver. I don't know. I think he is. I, I, I mean, I think he's better in this than even in The King of Comedy. I, you know, Robert Deere has this, like, between, yeah, let's call it, let's call it the um, early 70s to, like, the early to mid-90s. That's where he's at his peak, and he's really trying, and he's doing a lot of different stuff. And then he settles into, I'm just, I'm going to do the Meet the Fockers, and I'm just playing myself, basically. I'm going to analyze this, and I'm just playing myself, basically. Yeah, I think it's once he, paid. once he tried to be funny and, uh, and do comedic roles. It's like, well, I don't, is it was it meet, meet the Parents that people thought he was funny? So he just started doing comedies and then analyze this movie? Because that's where I think it falls off. Because I mean, maybe it's easy for him and it's fun and he doesn't really care. But right, he doesn't have to try hard. I mean, he just goes and reads the lines like, "Oh, I read this line like Robert De Niro reads this line," and that's it. And at some point, you know, you're just like, "I'm just going to cash in. I had my two decades being a serious actor. I won an Oscar. Whatever. I'm just going to get paid. I don't care. I'm done. Totally done. That's fine." Irishman, he's good. He's pretty fabulous in the Irishman. The okay, the. I've not seen it. The aging stuff doesn't work so well because his body is like an old man and his face just looks young and he can't move like a young person. Uh, but his performance is pretty good because it, it covers his whole life, again, this guy's whole life. And it's kind of sad because a lot of that movie's about getting older and, you know, it's made by guys getting older. Um, so it's, it's kind of an interesting thing. All right, well. Last piece, we will do the five degrees of Field of Dreams. So, first time listening to this, the idea here is kind of like the the six degrees of uh, Kevin Bacon or seven degrees of Kevin Bacon, whatever that game was. Um, but we're connecting the f- film we watched, Raging Bull, with uh, Field of Dreams, the greatest Iowa sports movie ever made. And uh, to make it more complicated, we just wanted to do f- five total movies. So. Uh, rather than just trying to connect it in the shortest amount of steps, it's five movies. You connect the actor, um, and they have to match up with the, the movie you pick. And um, would you like to go first, Ben? Sure. So start with Raging Bull and get back to Field of Dreams. So Raging Bull's got uh, a guy named Robert De Niro in it, and Robert De Niro is also in The Godfather Part Two with Robert Duvall. 
Robert Duvall is in The Natural with Robert Redford. The Natural is a baseball movie from like the mid 80s. Uh, and then Robert Redford is in a movie called Sneakers, uh, sort of heist movie from the early 90s with Dan Aykroyd, and i got to point out Sidney Potier, who's no longer with us, but uh, that's a really fun caper movie. Have you ever seen awesome Sneakers, movie. Eric? Oh, yeah. I've, I saw that. when I, What didn't it come out, like in the mid-90s or something? I, 92, I want to say yeah, 92. So I, that was definitely like a blockbuster rental. Love that movie. So yeah, good. I, I think we got it at some point, too. I didn't know anything about it. I was probably skeptical when I watched it, and I was like, man, that was just really, really, really fun. That's a movie I've not seen in a long time, but I thought it was really fun. Anyway, there's a guy in it named Timothy Busfield, or Busfeld. He's one of the FBI guys that sets them up on the main job from the plot. He's in Field of Dreams. He's the, like, skeptic guy in Field of Dreams. Is he, like, the redhead guy with the beard? Correct. Yeah. He thinks Kevin okay. Costner's losing his mind. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that dude. Huh. Cool. He's cool. also in Revenge of the Nerds and some a few other things, but those are the main those are main main ones. Wasn't he in that show Thirty Something? Also, yeah, that was his big thing. He was yeah. in that long running show, okay. which I never saw or heard of. But I have never seen it either. I just knew that he was in it. That's kind of weird. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't even remember being on. You're a little older than me, so maybe you remember ads for it when you were a kid or something. I don't know. Could be. I, I yeah, I've never seen a minute of it, but I, I knew that that guy was in it. Yep. Interesting. All right, so uh, I think I did all different movies than you. So we got Raging Bull. Again, uh, Robert De Niro's in that. He's also in uh, another great heist movie, maybe the best heist movie of all time, Heat. Uh, Phenomenal movie. Uh, He's in that movie with an actor named Al Pacino. Mm -hmm. And Al Pacino is in Godfather Part 3. Okay. And with Al Pacino is um, Andy Garcia. He's in Godfather Part Three. Okay. And he is also in a film called The Untouchables. Okay. And in The Untouchables is Kevin Costner. Okay. And Kevin Costner is in Field of Dreams. Got it. So. And isn't Al, Al Pacino himself in Untouchables? Isn't he uh, Al Capone? No, De Niro is. De Niro's out the bone. Yeah. Well, I was I was kind of bumming around. De Niro's in like all of those movies. Yeah. So. That's true. Um, but and also Pacino. I was going to do The Irishman because they're both in that. But. Um, yeah. There we okay. go. Fantastic. Well, that is the uh, pot of dreams for Raging Bull. Ben, you are up next with the next film. Which film should folks watch to get ready? We're going to watch a movie, which is, speaking of some of my all-time favorite, one of my top five probably favorite directors, definitely top ten, this guy named Billy Wilder. Uh, you've seen Sunset Boulevard, but that's not the movie I'm picking. I'm picking a movie, his follow-up to that, Ace in the Hole, starring Kirk Douglas. All right, that will be a first-time watch for me. I have never seen this movie. It's been a long time, and I'm ready to, ready to revisit it. Uh, I think it's probably it's, it's worth talking about, so let's dive in. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you next time.